This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon. I am Jason Kong. Uh, and it's a wonderful day because with me, as always, I have Mary Lucas with Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I feel like you always ask me and I don't get to ask you. Look, the people <laughs> the people want to know about Mary Lucas. They, no one tunes in for Jason Kong here. It's just like, all right, Jason's hosting another show here. Let's get to the good stuff. Uh, I'm fine. It's uh, another wonderful week here at WPTF. Uh, we're going to be uh, one of the uh, the affiliates now for the Tar Heel Network, so that was exciting news about a week or two Great ago. News. So, no, things are wonderful here at WPTF. How how is everything at Transitions Life Care? It's That's going. What we know. It's it's going. You know, but I have to say, I'm a little bit nervous about COVID lately. I'm excited to talk to one of our guests today about it, and um, you know, we're seeing things kind of start peaking up again, and I think it's a really important topic for us to cover. It is rearing its ugly head again, which is not something that uh, I think anyone is excited about. But the good news is we have uh, maybe the most impactful weapon at our disposal now as opposed to Mm -hmm. about a year and a half ago. And let's go ahead and bring our guest in here. We are pleased to welcome back on the show Dr. Carlton Stadler. He is the Eastern Regional Medical Director for Dispatch Health. Dr. Stadler, thanks for coming back on the show. Jason, Mary, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I think I just want to start first out of the gate. You're an emergency room doctor. How are you feeling about where we are as a nation? You know, Mary, we're, a, we're in a lot better place than we were, let's say, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, hasn't turned into a new day yet. I think that there's still, still uh, obstacles we need to overcome. While a lot of our lives have gone back to some semblance of normalcy, for those that haven't been vaccinated, uh, it's even more dangerous time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with staffing, I know that there's some stuff in the news about staffing issues and things that our hospitals are feeling and our facilities are feeling. Is staffing, whether it be nurses or physicians, and, you know, you all on the front line are already tired. What does the staffing issue look like? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. The staffing issue probably even started before COVID uh, Mm -hmm. due due to multiple reasons, but you're exactly right. When you add another stressor onto um, the COVID pandemic and staffing being a major one, um, it really does have an impact. It really continues to strain those that are still able to maintain their jobs in healthcare. You know, it's, it's interesting. We're able to replace personal protective equipment in about 24 hours should Mm -hmm. we run low. We're able to, you know, to get rooms clean. But if, if we lose a staff member because of COVID, it takes months to years to be able to replace a staff member. So it's had a particularly profound effect with regard to not only stress on providers, but also stress on patients trying to seek the treatment that they want. Mm-hmm. And that, that brings up a great point for people who don't have COVID and are going to our hospitals um, and where staffing may be a concern. Should they be concerned about receiving health care for something that's not COVID related? You know, that's a great question. One of the things that we've learned over the past year is that emergency rooms are certainly safe places to be. Mm -hmm. Um, There is great um, concern and an effort that was put into ensuring that 
you weren't going to catch COVID from an emergency room. Lots of companies have actually gone to telehealth, which mm-hmm. is also a viable option. And, and certainly Dispatch Health is one of those who actually sees patients in their homes, um, which has been a, a great comfort to patients, really treating patients where they are. That's a a great point you bring up. Dispatch Health is a a way for people to stay at home and and really age in place and not have to worry about the stressors of an emergency room or the hospital and and the things that we're seeing in the news about COVID in those places. Yeah, you're exactly right. A lot of patients weren't even going to emergency rooms for fear of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, Dispatch really set a, a, a massive need there where patients wanted to feel secure at homes. Great point. Mm-hmm. So I've heard the CDC describe Delta and the variants after as nearby branches of this same tree of COVID. What are variants? Is this a whole new COVID we're looking at? No, Mary, what we're looking at is the evolution of a disease. And like evolution of anything, it gets better. Okay. Things don't evolve to, to digress. They evolve to improve um, and adapt to their surroundings. And so what we're looking at is exactly that. It is a branch of that tree that is better equipped for its environment. And the environment that it has now is people are wearing masks. People are, every two-year-old knows how to wash their hands. And so this variant and all of the subsequent variants are going to be more easily transmissible. They're going to uh, oftentimes be more virulent um, for those that are not vaccinated. So we're watching that evolution really that, that, that core coronavirus now evolve into a better, faster, smarter virus. Hmm. So you've been seeing Delta on the front lines. Are, it sounds like these variants are worse than the ones before it. Are the symptoms worse? You're, what you're telling me is it's traveling easier. Are, and also, are there new variants coming after Delta? It's a great, great point. I'm glad we were able to talk about this. I think the, the symptoms of fever, chills, coughs, shortness of breath, fatigue, muscle and body aches, sore throat and congestion are all the same. Those are really at the core of the coronavirus. What we are noticing with these new variants is really increased risk of transmissibility. And that's a, that's a fancy way of saying people can catch it a lot easier. It takes a lot fewer particles in order for someone to become infected. What we're seeing or what I anticipate we will see with future variants and the next one that we're looking at is called the Lambda variant is that it will have even greater virulence, meaning it will be an even stronger virus. Fewer particles will need to be passed from person to person in order to have an effect and cause an infection and cause those symptoms. Certainly, we want patients to continue to look for those emergency warning signs those difficulty breathing, um, pain in their chest or, or pressure in their chest. New confusion in the elderly population is a brand new symptom that, that we're just now realizing. Inability to, to wake up or even stay awake is another symptom in our aging population that we want everyone to watch for with these new variants. Hmm. So moving to vaccines, are they still working and are they still safe? I know that in the news there's been some uh, word about people that are vaccinated carrying the virus load or even getting COVID, even though it might not be as bad. Vaccines, are they, are they still working and, and safe? Yeah, that's a great point. There is good, good evidence to say that the original COVID-19 vaccines are actually 
very protective from a lot of these variants. What we are seeing is patients that get the Delta variant who have been vaccinated um, just have fewer symptoms. Their, their illness is not as severe. And we're defining severe illness in, in COVID as someone who has to be hospitalized. And so we're seeing less hospitalizations. In fact, 99.3 to 99.6 of all serious effects, meaning people that have to be hospitalized, currently are patients that were not vaccinated. Yeah, man, that's uh, something that we all need to take into consideration and make sure that we're doing our part to keep ourselves safe and those around us safe as well. We're speaking with Dr. Carlton Stadler. He is the Eastern Regional Medical Director for Dispatch Health. And Dr. Stadler, could we trouble you for a few more minutes and hold you on after the break? Absolutely. We'd look forward to it. Excellent. We will do just that. Stick around. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Hey, if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. We're also going to be talking a little bit about the Caregiver Summit a little bit later on in the show. And if you want to find more information about the summits, go to caregiversummit.org, caregiversummit.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas. We are continuing our conversation related to COVID-19, the Delta variant. We're going to get into some vaccination talk as well. And we are speaking with Dr. Carlton Stadler, Eastern Regional Medical Director for Dispatch Health. And again, we're, we're so happy to have him back on the show. And Mary, you know, there's, uh, again, there's, there's just so much with mm-hmm. COVID rearing its head again. I mm-hmm. guess it never really left, but, you know, right. still about a year and, and several months into this, there's, there's lots of terms that we hear and information that is kind of just thrown at us that I don't think we always have the best grasp of, of what it is exactly <laughs> that's being thrown at us. I couldn't agree more. I think something that that's a great point you bring up and something that is a lot in the news right now, I'm hearing people saying, I'm not going to get vaccinated until FDA fully approves this or what the emergency we're in emergency use use authorization now and what does that mean and dr stadler could you help clarify some of the fda process and what's going on now in the process yeah absolutely a a medication when first presented to the to the fda can receive something called emergency use authorization and this is really just based on some interim or preliminary data that shows that, for instance, this vaccine was safe and effective um, for about three months. Um, Mm -hmm. For full approval, though, the FDA has to have at least six months of efficacy uh, data. In other words, six months of data showing that it works to review. And that means really combing through a lot of and analyzing a lot of information that's presented to them. 
Right, right, right. So it seems like we're on the path to getting out of emergency use authorization and moving to full approval from the FDA in the coming months. Yes, I would anticipate within the next two to three months, we should have uh, full use or full approval from the FDA um, for at least the Pfizer product mm-hmm. and more, more than likely also the Moderna product. Wonderful. Do you think that, that will tell us? Absolutely. Go ahead. Do you think that booster shots are on the timeline somewhere as well? Do you think that may be coming next for those who have already been vaccinated? You know, it's a great question. And as the evidence and the studies continue to mount, that mm-hmm. will come, uh, that, that truth of that will come out. I think that we're all anticipating something, much like the flu. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, it would not surprise me if, if one of these companies came out with a combination flu, COVID um, vaccine that we would get annually or every other year. Um, to provide that level of protection based on the variants that are most prevalent over the past year. Oh, I would love that idea. As someone in healthcare, and, you know, we're required to get the flu vaccine, I would love to just one and done and get it all out in one one <laughs> vaccine. That would be wonderful. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you think that we're also headed in the direction of, unfortunately, universal masking or shutdowns again if things don't improve? You know, that's a great question. I think state by state, that's Mm -hmm. going to vary. Um, And depending on infection rates and positivity rates, each of the states has their own, I guess, tolerance level for that. And there are lots of political drivers, as well as healthcare drivers that do that. Mm -hmm. I don't anticipate we're going to get back to where we were. Mm -hmm. I think that we're going to continue to progress. I think that um, masks are going to probably be... um, probably get to a point where you will need to use them indoors, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we're going to get to another shutdown like we had before. I think that people have gotten a taste of what it's like to be out and have to wash their hands everywhere and have extended wait times and have to wear masks in and out. They're used to the process. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that level of comfort is also providing some level of protection. And as we increase the number of people getting vaccines, I think we're going to see that actually start to decline. Mm-hmm. Currently, though, we are in a spike. We are in a, 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 a high infectivity uh, rate right now with regard to the COVID uh, virus and the Delta variant. So I think we're seeing those spikes. So it starts to kind of bring back those memories, those fears of, of where we were a year ago, where we were six to eight months ago, um, where everything was shut down. I think we're going to evolve. I think we're going to continue to progress. But, and I do not see a, a big shutdown like we had before. Well, fingers crossed. And finally, one last question for you. As a physician, how do you feel that this is changing health, how healthcare is delivered? Wow, Mary, that's a, that's a really <laughs> that's a big question, question, right? Yeah. I think it, it is. You know, I think there's there have created a lot of alternatives, telemedicine being one, dispatch health being another that treats patients where they are. Patients are, are we're, we're turning emergency rooms into places only for the super sick. Um, I think that hospitals, brick and mortar hospitals, are um, going to be really for the sickest patients and people uh, and, and our patients are gonna to wanna to be treated where they live. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of telemedicine has popped up. Um, again, I mentioned Dispatch Health is, is in people's homes. Um, and so I think that uh, it's going to make it more convenient. I think we're going to rely more on technology, and it's going to be more of an acceptable uh, means of receiving your health care. 
That's a great point. Well, Dr. Stadler, I, I think we've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much for being so gracious with us today. Again, he is Dr. Carlton Stadler, Eastern Regional Medical Director for Dispatch Health. Dr. Stadler, if folks want to find more information about Dispatch Health, what's the best way to do that? Dispatchhealth.com will be happy to uh, give you all of the information that you need with regard to being treated within your home um, by a, a, an emergency medicine trained healthcare professional. Excellent. Dispatchhealth.com. Well, Mary, we uh, sort of teased it at the beginning of the segment, but we do need to talk a little bit about the Caregiver Summit. I know we've got uh, a date in September, so tell us what we need to know about the Caregiver Summit. Absolutely. I think this is a perfect time to talk about it because we've been talking about COVID and staying at home and having the resources you need to stay at home, and that's a big subject at the Caregiver Summit this year. So Caregiver Summit is on September 15th uh, from 8 till 1230 at the NC State McKemmon Center Conference area and training center in Raleigh will be presenting on brain health awareness for the caregiver and heart, head, and hands in a post-COVID world. So that's taking care of your loved one as a caregiver um, post-COVID and through COVID and how you can stay at home. So we're going to help you find the resources you need. Uh, we'll have the two sessions are, or the, the two content tracks will be in two different rooms, but we'll have everything recorded. And there's also a virtual opportunity. So go to the website caregiversummit.org to register. Uh, there is an option during your registration to either attend in person or virtually. We're going to be following all CDC and North Carolina DHHS guidelines um, to protect you if you're coming in person will be mandatory masking per the NC State rules. So we're definitely making it as safe as possible. Everyone's going to be very spaced out and um, we're, we're definitely aware of the cautions that we're taking and, um, and limiting the number of caregivers and exhibitors. So there's limited room for caregivers. Please go to caregiversummit.org to register. We really hope to see people there, whether it's virtually or in person. And we want to make sure that we get you the resources you need to take care of your loved one at home. You know, we were talking about lessons learned mm -hmm. in the medical field. Uh, I got to give a, a, a shout out to Transitions Life Care because, boy, the, the last few Caregivers Summit, you guys have been throwing so many curveballs and yeah. you've adapted every single time. It's a huge undertaking just to put on uh, this event normally, but uh, to make sure that you're accommodating those virtually and in person this time. Uh, kudos to you guys. Uh, you, you always do a wonderful job. And I, I know that behind the scenes, this is never an easy undertaking, but it's, it's such a wonderful resource for those who have questions or who are maybe new to mm -hmm. caregiving. Uh, I mean, it's such a wonderful event uh, it, and it, it'll be good to just see people out and being able to learn this and, you know, those who are attending virtually as well. But man, it's, uh, it's such a great opportunity for those who have questions or, or who have any sort of needs. Absolutely. I'm very excited. And uh, we have some great presenters. There's some nurses from Transitions. We have some of our partner organizations, the Alzheimer's Association, Dementia Alliance are involved. And I'm just really excited to get there and, and see everybody. Yeah, we're looking forward to it as well. Again, caregiverssummit.org is the website if you want to find more information. There's also information at WPTF.com. Dot com. If you head over to the podcast section and then click on Aging Matters, we have information on the Caregiver Summits there. We also have uh, full replays of every episode of Aging Matters. You can go back and listen. If uh, you have a caregiving need, there's plenty of topics that you can search through and find at WPTF.com. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Don't forget transitionslifecare.org is the website if you want to find more information about Transitions Life Care. Transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and uh, she's close to setting the record for appearances on Aging Matters. I, I need to keep a running tally, but we are always happy to have her on. We are welcoming back Carla Payne. Carla is the owner of Aging Care Matters and a certified care manager. We always give her a hard time about the name of her company, but mm-hmm. we do like it. It's almost like we've paid for a sponsorship with Aging mm-hmm. Care Matters. Carla, how are you today? I am good, and thank you for having me back again, Mary and Jason. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. This is an interesting topic we're going to talk about today, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's the relationship side of caregiving. And, you know, when when you get married, they say, for better or worse. And I can't imagine Mm -hmm. it's always easy with a chronic illness or dementia. Um, And Mm -hmm. you probably deal with a lot of this on the front line, don't you, Carla? I do. I do. In fact, I was thinking about it uh, a lot recently because I'm in my 25th year of marriage and I remember saying those vows and I did not say the obey part however I took that part (laughs) out but I did say for in sickness and in health for better or worse and I said those vows um, and I think all of us have that that perception of of this this beautiful life that will grow old together not thinking about the reality of what that might be in real sickness and Mm -hmm. I wanted to touch on dementia specifically because it is a syndrome that's deteriorating the brain, and you don't often see, like, uh, a person who may have cancer, they're able to get treatment, chemotherapy, or have mm-hmm. surgery, or if there's an accident, you're able to heal broken bones or go through therapies. But with dementia, it is a, a, a syndrome that's continuing and taking away the person in front of you. So every day, there's a, a, an experience of grief, of loss, mm-hmm. of more and more responsibility. You know, I, I don't expect. Yeah, absolutely. And I experienced this a little bit. And I know I talk about my grandfather a lot, but I want to switch it to my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Um, She took care of him. She did the laundry. Mm -hmm. She made the food, the housework. She really took care of him. She made sure he was shaved and he Mm -hmm. had a haircut. And, you know, and when she passed, it was a really tough time for him and us as a family because there were so many roles that she had uh, as a family. Uh, our family caretaker. She was the matriarch of our family. So maybe we start there, Mm -hmm. you know, for someone who is holding all those Mm -hmm. roles, there's a perception that everyone may be under control um, from the Mm -hmm. person who has dementia or chronic illness, but maybe it's not all under control and roles are changing. What are some of the things that you can do as a caregiver during a time like that? Absolutely. So one thing to to note is you did mention that your grandmother passed before Mm -hmm. your grandfather. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, statistically, 30% of caregivers are going to die before the people they care for. Mm. Their life expectancy is actually shortened because of the level of responsibility and stress that they are, they are taking on. And as you shared, 
your grandmother took on more and more and more of the responsibilities that perhaps as an outside family member might look in thinking that as a couple they're taking care of things, but it really was on her shoulders. Um, I've had a client who actually uh, their husband took care of all of the financial throughout their entire marriage, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. She didn't even open the mail. He took care of everything. And when he became disabled through the dementia process, she's at a complete loss of everything, of how to even um, handle the finances, get the bills paid. All of that just came crashing in. So I think things that we can look for, like we can, we can say we're going to plan ahead, but the reality is no matter how we plan, we don't know what we don't know until we're in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's important as adult children and as a family unit to, to be alert. And if you're seeing changes, to encourage open conversation. Let's talk about some things that we're witnessing and seeing and get some support in place. And I always, every time I speak with y'all, I bring up the importance of those legal documents, mm -hmm. the power of attorney, the health power of attorney, having the advanced directives. I want to really specifically say that when you appoint someone, and so often it's your spouse, I'm your, I'm your power of attorney, you're mine, have an alternate named that if that person, if your spouse is unable to, to fulfill that um, duty, that you have someone else named, then have another person named underneath. Have a list of names, one after another, because so often I've worked with cases that the spouse is the power of attorney, but they're not able, they're incapacitated, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. So I just want to make sure I always uh, address that as a reminder. That's a great point to bring up and, and definitely mm -hmm. hit home. So some, I feel like, you know, in a chronic, with a chronic illness or uh, taking care of someone with dementia, you might mm -hmm. be sacrificing some of your plans or some of the things that you all once yeah. enjoyed together because things are a little bit more difficult now or maybe not safe to do some of the things that you used to enjoy doing together. Yeah. As a caregiver, what can you do when that happens? And is there a way that you can take care of yourself but yeah. also bring joy back into some of those things that you used to do yeah. together? So again, we, we don't know until we're in the situation. Mm -hmm. So as, as folks at this point may not think that they have it, it's not, it's not going to happen to them or um, they're not in that situation yet. Know that there are support and resources such as the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, the Alzheimer's Association, the Aging Life Care Association, all of these different organizations who are experts in helping caregivers and spouses find the resources that give them added support because a caregiver needs to find joy and take time away. And so there could be respite programs, adult day programs, support groups, mm -hmm. counseling. Um, there are some medications that are not going to cure dementia, but they can help with some of the psychological changes, the paranoia, the agitation. There are some, but that's all under a medical supervised um, neurologist or a primary care physician. Wonderful. And, and you know, we're, we've been talking a lot about not being able to know when is the right time or what, what mm -hmm. you should be looking for. What are some signs of dementia and when is the mm -hmm. right time to look for help and not be too late? Yes. Well, I think it's never too soon. I really do feel that it's important to talk with your physician if you notice any type of changes. And it's not like, where are my glasses or I've misplaced my keys. Mm -hmm. It's things that are impacting your, your daily life that are really making an effect on your daily life. There's appointments that, that are forgotten. We can happen once in a while, but if it's in a pattern and you see some of those type of signs, you can ask for um, a cognitive screening. It's a very simple 10-question uh, questionnaire and get a baseline. And so, in fact, I've done this with my own mom. I, I started this about five years ago. I just did a baseline. Mm -hmm. And then each year I go back to it and just kind of see 
if there might be any changes, especially if there's any um, history of Alzheimer's, Lewy body, different dimensions, dementias in the family history. Mm-hmm. So that's where it is really important to know about the grandparents, the great-grandparents, because it does tend to sometimes run genetically. So seeking that through your primary care physician, a neurologist, um, would be the first steps. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, we've, we've been talking about marriages and relationships, and, you know, I can mm-hmm. imagine in some of these cases you're dual income and then maybe you're dropping to single income. Um, yes. Is loss of income an issue that you're also, that you see with the people that you work with? Yes, it is. In fact, uh, that's another very important reason to speak with an attorney, an mm-hmm. elder law or a state attorney early. Because as a spouse, as a couple, you can work with an attorney to protect assets. And that way you're thinking long term because a person with dementia, as the illness progresses, they could very well need memory care or skilled care, which are not covered under insurance. They're not covered by Medicare. It's private pay. Mm-hmm. And assisted living memory care can run anywhere from easily five to $9,000 a month. And it adds up very quickly and can drain that life savings very quickly. So, again, thinking ahead, it's hard to know until you're really faced with these types of situations. Mm-hmm. But if I hope listeners who hear this, it will, it will stick and it will be something that they can bring up in conversation and say, let's do talk to an elder law attorney. Let's look at our plan. Um, and, and I want to go back to uh, Aging Life Care Association just real quick because as a care manager and part of the association, we don't accept any type of referral fees. So oftentimes we have these great partnerships because it is based on relationships and who we, we know, trust, and love. Mm-hmm. And a care manager can often help set up a free consultation with elder law attorneys mm-hmm. because of that rapport and relationship. So um, free is great. So if, if that helps to help get a consultation, that can be very helpful in um, expanding the knowledge for the, for the couple. Mm-hmm. One last quick question for you. I can imagine when people are in this situation and they're trying to figure out how to best take care of their loved one, guilt may come in. Can you talk to a little bit, oh, a little bit yes. about that with us? Yes. I wish I had a way to just wipe it all away. I really do. If mm-hmm. I could just ease that guilt, but I, I can't. But I would, I would say to the, the couples and the spouses that are dealing as caregivers, you're not alone. This is something that all of us struggle with, but knowing that you're doing the best that you can and knowing that there are, there are resources and support that are out there to help is not taking away from your responsibility the vows you made. It's helping you to fulfill those vows. And sometimes to fulfill those vows is saying, I need help with this. Mm-hmm. I can't manage this any longer. Because as a family unit, the caregiver is so needed and we need to keep them healthy mm-hmm. and help and, and as much as we can lift them up and give them support. And some of that is to say it's okay to release some of these responsibilities and let others take care of it. Yeah. Carla, thank you so much for shedding some light on this. I mean, it's it's stuff that, as you said, we, we often don't think about when we're first making those vows or starting a relationship, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it, it's certainly things that we should be thinking about and taking the time to plan for because boy, when you're in it, uh, you're really going to regret if, if mm-hmm. you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. She is Carla Payne, owner of Aging Care Matters and a certified care manager. Uh, Carla, is the best place to find more information about you, agingcarematters.com? That is. That is. Wonderful. Happy to help any way I can. Jason, thank you and Mary so much for bringing up these topics. They're just 
so relevant and touching so many lives. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. And we always appreciate your perspective as well. Again, if you want to find more information about Carla, it's agingcarematters.com. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds us, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we are now going to turn our focus to a discussion that I think a lot of people have questions about. It It can be a very confusing area, and we're going to be discussing what home health is versus home care, two terms that we often use on this program, and we thought it would be a good idea to break it down for those who uh, may not exactly know the differences between home health and home care, and we are Pleased to welcome back on the show Andy Barrett. Andy is a field representative for American Republic Insurance Services. Andy, welcome back on the show. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me back. I think this is a very relevant topic after talking about COVID again, and this is coming up more and more as caregivers try to keep their loved ones at home. So, Andy, can you start off by telling us who would benefit from home health versus home care? Not a problem. I think uh, order would be to define it, first of all. And home health care is usually short-term uh, care, usually post a stay in the hospital or some kind of uh, outpatient surgery where one might need some kind of uh, skilled person to come in and take care of them. On the other hand, home care, I like to think of as care for the long term. And that would be situations where a person may need help with their activities of daily living, at least two of them per se, um, help with any kind of uh, uh, cognitive issues, of course, help maybe um, with uh, cleaning up around the house, things like that. And there's different categories in that and also includes the homemaker services, which I referenced. So who would who benefits from home health? Uh, I think I pretty much went over as the person that uh, had already had some kind of surgery, mm-hmm. whether it's outpatient or inpatient, as well as um, somebody that had had, uh, or well, the other person would be the person that needed it for the long term that was no longer able to function on their own. So the only the one difference is uh, is what Medicare covers. A lot of Medicare uh, doesn't cover, and nor does the uh, supplements cover your home uh, care for the long term. And it depends on whether it's medically necessary, mm. uh, first of all, whether uh, your supplement will cover it or Medicare will cover it. So that's always something to discuss with your doctor. That's a great point. So what criteria do you have to meet with Medicare to have them pay for it? Is it like a written doctor's note or um, what qualifies to be home health? Well, first of all, to receive home health care, one has to have been in the hospital a minimum of three days. 
uh, and then out of the hospital no longer than 30 days. Mm. And, of course, it has to be medically necessary, as I said, and Medicare approved. So I usually tease people a little bit and say, well, of course, the cosmetic surgery is not covered <laughs> as a general rule. So. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, so are there dis- different disciplinary, disli- disciplinary teams uh, for home health versus home care? That's a word. That's a tongue tire. Uh, for home health versus home care, like this, is the nursing aide versus a registered nurse? What are the different teams that come in for each? And that all depends. I mean, care like that for, um, are you referring to home health care or home care? Mm-hmm. With home health, are you getting a nurse versus in home care? Okay. Or is it something like an aide? It could vary. It could be an, an aide. It could be a nurse. It all depends on what's required and whether or not the uh, uh, person is paid. Generally speaking, when you have required medical care, mm-hmm. they have to be Uh, with an agency. You can't just pay a family member to come in and take care of it, even though they may be a licensed uh, nurse or CNA or whatever. Mm -hmm. They have to have, or you have to receive services through that agency. Okay. And can you only get home care in like your private residence or can you also get it if you're an independent living in like an apartment as well? Uh, That's a good question. Home care, um, generally refers to uh, home, but also includes a variety of uh, assisted assisted living facilities, um, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, foster care homes. Uh, there's, uh, of course, the skilled, I'm not skilled, sorry, the um, uh, assisted, some assisted living mm-hmm. that don't require mm-hmm. uh, long-term you know, so those are your basic requirements within the the home environment. Anything in the nursing home then would be the long-term care. So Okay. And how do you go about finding a home care or home health provider? What's the best way for a family to search for one? There's a lot of agencies out there that uh, provide services. Uh, I'm thinking of one home for mom or... Uh, uh, aging facilities. You could search uh, home health care either in uh, Medicare.gov or home care. Uh, of course, on Google or whatever search engine you use to search that is a good way to look it up. Um, short-term uh, facilities. There's any number of ways. It just depends on how, of course, you do your search. But those are typically the facilities that provide such care and the different types of care. Wonderful. And is home care something that you're paying for out of pocket or does any long-term care insurance help pay for that? How, how would someone go about paying for home care? It could be either. Um, well, actually, there's a graded level, you might say, of care. And home care starts with the family. And of course, the actual cost for that, no one knows except, I mean, because there's time lost from work, there's uh, time spent trying to recoup or the fact that somebody doesn't have a life uh, outside of, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but doesn't have the time to themselves because they're either working or caring for a loved one. Mm-hmm. It could it could include other programs such as uh, recovery care or short-term recovery care, long-term care. Um, there's various 
programs out there that uh, serve different needs. So, you know, most of them will cover some type of uh, nursing care for you. This is a great topic and very relevant for me right now. My grandfather is, we have home care coming in for him. And like you said, it's been kind of a lifesaver for us as caregivers. I have a full-time job. My dad and his brothers are working and it's, it's really hard to get over there and help bathe him and prepare meals and do his laundry and make sure that he's set up for, um, to be comfortable. And so I think it's been such a blessing to have home care to help come in and, uh, supplement what we're doing so that he can be set up for his uh for the day so i i we have them coming in almost every day of the week to help um and it's just been a relief on us as caregivers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. good good and most people um uh, are under the assumption that medicare covers that stuff and i'm sure mm-hmm. you found out quickly that mm-hmm. uh, medicare provides a limited amount of course medicaid pays more for long-term care but the qualifying can be uh a shocker because you have to have a certain level of income and assets to qualify for it. So as a general rule, a lot of people that are above that line and uh, uh, that don't have any kind of care do end up paying for it out of pocket and it can be staggering. The Genworth Financial has a list of uh, uh, rates and right now it could be about $4,800 a month for Mm -hmm. uh, a caregiver depending on what level. And a nursing home, of course, is around 100 uh, plus. 20-year projections is that could double mm-hmm. in that time frame. So, anyway, it's a good thing thing to actually think about when you're young, mm-hmm. around your 50 years of age or older, to have a cushion there and not have to be hit by, shall we say, sticker shock. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. I think it's and it's perfect time to think about it now as people are trying to age in place and not go into an assisted living or an independent living kind of situation. It's great to be able to stay at your home and have a home care provider or some of these supplemental um, assistance programs to come in and help you age in place right where you are. Yeah, I think absolutely. Wonderful. And Andy, uh, we are just about out of time here, but if folks want to find more information about American Republic Insurance Services, how would they go about doing that? Well, since I'm a field representative, I don't go by the office um, very often. So let me give you my cell number. That's 919-523-4910. Again, 919-523-4910. And I'll be glad to get back with you and discuss uh, any concerns that uh, anyone has. Excellent. He is Andy Barrett, field representative for American Republic Insurance Services, and we thank him so much for his time today. We are out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next weekend. This has been Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.